Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh. Yo, Taylor, I, I'm really happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. We culture. Rap is the new rock and roll. We the rock stars. It's been like that for a minute, Hedy Slamay. I would have had a big wedding regardless because that's just who I am. Right. So I would have had an extravagant wedding. Are you and Kanye together as a publicity stunt? No. <laughs> like no. either of you needed more publicity, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. Hey, well, welcome to Believers, the Kardashians, Kim Ye. Well, I got to tell you, I'm exhausted this week. I mean exhausted. And I got to tell you why. True confession. This is therapeutic for me, so help me out here. I tried to do something I've never done before. I tried to keep up with the Kardashians. And it is emotionally exhausting. There's so much drama. Seriously, it's tough. But anyways, we are talking about these awesome people here and uh how many of you have seen them you know clips of them here and there just like that how many have a really favorable opinion anyone in the house got it no i'm just kidding well most of us feel that way and that's how i felt about them too but uh when i started to dig a little bit deeper into their lives i found out that there was a spiritual side to them and I was really surprised, and I want to read a couple of quotes from them. Uh, the first few were from Kanye, who in one tour brought up an actor portraying Jesus, and people said, why are you doing that? And here's his reason for doing that. One of the things I wanted to get across with that message, he says, is that you can have a relationship with Jesus, that you can talk to Jesus. In the same way as someone can have Jesus is my homeboy, that's the way I would express it, and the way I create it is to say, that you can have a relationship with Jesus, you can talk to him. How about this next quote? He was asked if he was spiritual. He said, I would say that I am. And he said, I have accepted Jesus as my savior, and I will say that I fall short every day. His father's a Christian counselor. Now, how about Kim? I'm thinking, come on, Kim. That's Kanye, but how about you? Listen to some of her retweets. Jesus is my top priority how about this one when jesus died on the cross he was judged for the sins of the world court is no longer in session and when she was interviewed a few years ago someone said what is your net worth and she said i don't really know but i give 10 percent of my income every year to the church you call that a tithe well she made 53 million last year so listen in their own words they want people to know that they can talk to Jesus and have a relationship with him. They want people to know that Jesus died for the sins of the world. He's their top priority. They're given to the church. And I'm like, okay, if all that's true, then why are you doing some of the things that you're doing? Because it doesn't make sense. And I realized that a lot of us, we can get real critical of people like them. But can I encourage you not to do that? Um, Let's be honest, they live their lives on blast. They're in the public spotlight all the time. Social media, the paparazzi. How many of you would agree that 
if we had a camera crew follow me this week and you put my life up on those screens there, there'd be me driving down the road where it says 40. I'm thinking it should be 55. I'm behind grandma who's doing 25. And I'm like, come on, come on, seriously. None of us are perfect. So let's put our stones away. We're not here to judge them. We just want to learn. What would Jesus say to them? And here's the main thing I believe Jesus would say to them and to us. You can't be who you are if you don't know who you are. can't be who you are if you don't know who you are. So is it possible to be a Christian and not live like one? Yes. The Corinthians were the poster child for that. See, the day that you and I made a decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to him, to open our heart to him, the Bible says that God gave us a new heart, not a physical pump, but a new spirit he put within us. Something happened that day, whether you felt it or not. And look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says about that experience. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So we became a new person, and we're called to walk in this new life, the Bible says. And we're literally called to be a new person. So can you believe what they believe, be baptized, do all those things, and still be disconnected? Yes, you can, because you have to know who you are. So here's how you bridge the gap, Romans 12, 2. It says these words. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is saying, don't have an outward expression that doesn't reflect what's within. This is a word that was used for acting or masquerading or putting on a facade. Another translation says it this way. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Now, how many of you know that very often you and I can feel pressure to fit in, pressure to go along with the crowd? And I'm going to guess that when you were a teenager, you never felt it greater than that. Now, my son Ryan is a great young guy. He's our student leader here at Paramount. Uh, but when he was like 13 years old, he was a poser in his own words. If you don't know what that means, in Southern California, the kids used to call people posers. What a poser. Pretender, actor. So here's Ryan in all of his glorious skater swag. He's got his hat sideways. He's got his hair flipped out a certain way. He's representing West Coast choppers, you know, Jesse James. He's got it going on. He looks like a skater. And everybody was skating all around him in those days. Kids had broken wrists bumps on their heads. There were a lot of skaters, but Ryan, the closest Ryan ever came to skating was Tony Hawk Pro Skater video game. That was the closest. He was a total poser, and the Bible says, don't do that. Don't let people press you in to a mold that doesn't fit you. You know, when we were out in uh, Los Angeles for many years, uh, one of the ladies that was at our church was a stunt woman, a world record holder in another uh, event, and uh, we became good friends, uh, and she doubled a lot of famous stars, and I asked her, I said, you know what, I know those sets are pretty godless. There's very few Christians on them. They're extremely liberal. How do you keep your faith strong? How do you let your light shine? And her answer surprised me. She said, you know, 
it's not always what I say or what I do. It's what I don't do. It's what I choose not to participate in that makes a difference. Hey, it's the end of a long day. We're going to go to the club and get hammered. Are you in? No, I'm not. Do you want to know why? And so the Bible makes it clear that we're not to be conformed. We know what not to wear. Yes, I have watched the program. I'm going to, again, this is therapy for me today, guys. I've watched that program because I love my wife. And every what not to wear program says the same five things again and again. It's sickening. Anyways, I feel better now. Uh, but anyways, what not to wear. We know what not to wear, but what are we supposed to do? Look what it says. Be transformed. It's where we get our word metamorphosis from. And it means to be changed from the inside out. We all know the caterpillar to the butterfly thing, but I don't relate to that too well. Let me tell you what I relate to. I relate to Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. Anybody tracking with me here? You're my age, watch The Incredible Hulk growing up. All right, come on. There were no anger management courses in those days. So you knew at a certain point he was going to get really angry and he was going to come what? He was going to become a Hulk. He was going to morph into this whole other dude, shred his wardrobe and just go, I will take care of business now. Awesome. But how do we morph? How do we transform? By the renewing of our mind. What does that mean? It means a complete renovation. It means to take off the old and put on the new. That's what it means to renew your mind. So let me just ask you this. If I said, hey, today I've got a $3,000 gift card here. Any, any of you ladies interested in taking this and going to the mall and just getting a new wardrobe? You're like, yeah, yeah, I can handle that. By the way, guys, it's Mother's Day next week. No pressure. But what would you do? You buy this whole new wardrobe, you get rid of all your old stuff, and what do you do? You put on this brand new wardrobe. That's what it means to renew your mind. You take off your old way of thinking, you put on a whole new spiritual wardrobe, and you begin to think the way you're supposed to think. Why is that important? Why is our thinking critical? I'll tell you a story. When I was in third grade, my older brother was two years older. Him and I decided to play a game of chicken one day. And here's how this game went. We would stand next to the curb, and our curb was about this high, and he would get on his bike, and he'd start pedaling, and he'd just be going, and at the last second, I'd just hold off as long as I could. At the last second, I would just go, I'd just jump right up, and he'd just right on by me. Well, as a third grader, that gets boring. So I had a thought. I had a thought. And here's what I thought. I thought, you know what? If I just stand in, Here's what I think is going to happen. He's going to blink. He's going to hit his brakes. He's going to skid out. He's going to go right around me, and I will have stared him down, put my older brother in his place for the first time ever. Now, let me tell you what I thought and what happened were two different things. I don't know how physics works, but I do remember having a tire run over this right ear. That's what I remember. But see, here's the deal. What I thought determined what I believed, and what I believed determined my actions or the outcome. What you think determines what you believe. What you believe determines your actions. Henry Ford said it this way. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Either way. So our thinking is critical 
to walking in this new life that God has given us. Look at what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. As a follower of the Lord, I order you to stop living like stupid, godless people. You were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give up your old way of life with all its bad habits. Now listen to this. Let the Spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. You were created to be like God, and so you must please Him and be truly holy. And Paul is saying, hey, if you really want to experience real change and take off the old and put on the new, you have to let the Holy Spirit, who God has given us, come alongside you and help you to establish new thought patterns and a new way of thinking that lines up with the new life and the new person that's already on the inside of you so what's on the inside of you can work its way from the inside to the outside. That's what he wants us to do. Because you can't be who you are if you don't know who you are. I got to tell you a story here. (laughs) It's funny now, it wasn't funny then, but how many would agree that we learn from our failures? So I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 on August 3rd, 1980. I didn't feel a thing. I put up my hand. I said yes to Jesus. Didn't feel a thing. But joy began to come into my heart, and I did begin to feel something. And I had lived a lifestyle up to that point for many years, actually, only at 19. I had lived a lifestyle of just partying a lot. Uh, It was not uncommon for me to spend half my paycheck on a Friday night just to get high. And, um, you know, when that's been your life, for most of your life, it has a certain pull on you, certain draw to it. And so I'm in this thing, and I'm excited about Jesus, telling everybody about Jesus, but I didn't understand that I had an enemy who would try to condemn me, make me feel bad about myself. Even when I confessed my sins to God, that there was this enemy sitting on my shoulder saying, You're not good enough. See, I started out by grace, understanding that I couldn't save myself, that it wasn't about what I had done, but it was about what he had done. But somewhere I got lost on that road and I started working for God's acceptance. I started performing for God's acceptance. And our performance can never win God's acceptance ever. If it could, Jesus didn't need to come and die for us. But I lost that. I was a new Christian. I didn't know. So I went and I got my best friend who I'd led to the Lord and his girlfriend. I said, hey, I'm struggling with this Christianity thing, man. I said, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't respect hypocrites. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm struggling too. And we just looked at each other and we said, let's go get drunk. Which three months before wouldn't have been uncommon. So we did. We went and got drunk. Now, let me tell you, I learned a lesson that night. While I was getting drunk the whole time, the only thing that came out of my mouth was Jesus. All I could talk about was Jesus, because what your heart's full of is what comes out. That's all I could talk about. And then there was another thing that just dawned on me in this moment of failure, and it was this. It was like, hold on a second. I used to live for this. I mean, this was the highlight of my life, you know, partying with my friends and the feeling that I got out of it and I can go to church on a Friday night where we worship God and as I lift my hands and his presence begins to touch me and fill me are you kidding me that experience with the living God is so much greater so much better so far above 
that this thing called getting drunk or high pales in comparison. Why would I, comparison, why would I ever even do that anymore? And that night it lost its grip. That was 36 years ago. I haven't been drunk since. Why would I? In fact, we used to have a saying in my day, there's no high like the most high. All right, that went over big. But anyways, <laughs> I guess that one should have stayed in the early 80s. But that night, we got the bright idea, too. This was my failure living on. We got the bright idea of going to crash a party that was happening with a bunch of our former friends who didn't want to hang out with the Jesus freaks anymore. And we crashed the party drunk. Preached my first sermon ever as a drunk evangelist with a cigarette in my mouth and said, you need to come to Jesus. And then I said, I'm giving an altar call. And the guy goes, you can't do that. And I said, I'm doing it, dude. <laughs> Gave an altar call. Nobody got saved. Yeah, anyways, that was a total flop. But see, what I found out that night was those old clothes didn't fit me anymore. I, that was an old person. That, that's what I used to be, but that's not who I am now. We, the two were different. I, I got something happen on the inside. I, I don't have the want to. I don't have the desire to do that anymore. It's gone. And so I learned that. Knowledge is important. There's two brothers that you're going to see come up behind me here. They're Zolt and Geza Pilati. If you've never heard of them, they have a sister that lives in America. They're from Hungary. They lived on the outskirts of Budapest. And... Um, their mother had passed away. I think she had mental illness. They never really knew their family, where they came from. Uh, and these guys were having it rough. They lived in a cave, and they collected scrap metal and turned it in for money to buy food. That's how poor they were. And one day, these charity workers came and said, did you know that you have a grandmother in Germany? And they said, well, not really, no. Well, she just passed away. Your mom is dead. You, two brothers, and your sister are the nearest relatives. By German law, you get her money. By the way, you three siblings now have seven billion U.S. dollars to divide among yourselves. And one of the questions was, how will, how will this change your life? And he said, well, I've never been able to attract a woman to marry me. I'm thinking, brother, they'll be lining up now. <laughs> they'll be lining up for you. <laughs> but... <laughs> Isn't that sad? They were living like paupers when they could have been living like kings. How many of us are struggling right now in life with just the daily challenges of life? And we're living like paupers because we don't really know quite yet who we are and who we have become. And it's not striving to be someone you're not. It's finding out who you are and letting that person emerge. See, I believe deep down on the inside of us, Every one of us have a desire to do God's will. We want to live out the purpose for which we were created. But very often there's barriers, and most of those barriers exist right here in our thinking. You know? And that's something that God will deal with. And if I made a statement this morning and said, do you know the early church? Or if I said this, how many believe God wants every single person on the face of the earth to receive eternal life and not perish? Yeah, we would be like, yeah. Do you know the early church didn't believe that? In fact, for 10 years, they didn't believe that. And they believed you could be saved if you were Jewish or a Jewish proselyte, but not a Gentile. That's most of us. 
And uh, God wanted to reach them, but he couldn't because his church wouldn't go. So in order to change what his church believed, he had to start with what they were thinking. And so he sent an angel to Cornelius, an Italian man who feared God but didn't really know him, and said, go get Peter. Peter has this vision, and in this vision, it challenges him to do something he's been taught not to do his whole life. And after the vision goes away, he's trying to figure out what it means, and suddenly men knock on the door and say, are you Peter? And he's like, yeah. The Holy Spirit says, go with them. I'm in this. Don't doubt it. He gets there, and the first thing he says is, hey, I'm not even supposed to be here with you Gentiles, so why am I here? Cornelius tells him his experience and says, well, the Lord said you have something to tell us, and he goes, oh my gosh, I think I know what the vision meant. I think your Gentiles are supposed to hear the gospel. He begins to preach the gospel, and before he gets to his altar call, the Holy Spirit falls on them, they prophesy and speak in tongues, and they look at each other and they go, oh my gosh. Can we withhold water baptism from them? Since God gave them the same Holy Spirit he gave to us, and they said no. Now, what they believed was a barrier that held them back. What are the barriers that are trying to hold you back today? What are the barriers that are trying to hold you back from what God is asking you to do, from what you know you're supposed to do, from what you want to do, desire to do? What's holding you back? Do you know you're just one thought away from removing that barrier in your life? Just one thought. One God thought can change you radically forever. How does this work? John 8, 31 says this. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. They said, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth and the truth will free you. Hard work doesn't free you. Willpower doesn't free you. Human strength doesn't free you. Truth frees you. Truth has inside of it power to expose lies. And when the light of the truth shines on those lies, it loses its grip on your life. And the real you emerges to be that person that you're called to be. That's how it works. Now, on my bucket list is a two-week trip to Italy with my wife. My wife is awesome, and she's a really good artist. She paints. She does all kinds of stuff, which I used to take credit for. I'd show, she did portraits of all my kids, and I'd say, hey, look what I did. I just fooled people. It was bad. It was mean. But she's a really good artist, and she appreciates that. And on our bucket list is a two-week tour of Italy from the north to the south. And I can't wait to see some of the artwork there, especially Michelangelo. You know, what a renaissance man, you know, an architect, painter, Sistine Chapel. But he also worked with the medium of stone or marble. And what you see right behind me here is a piece of stone that he might have worked with. It's just a big piece of marble. It looks nice on our floors in our kitchen. But it doesn't look like much, does it? It's like, okay, that's cool, but... But you know what? When he began to work on something... It ended up looking like this, like the statue of David. Somebody asked him one time, they said, how do you take a big piece of marble like that and make such a beautiful statue? And I want to quote him directly here. I don't want to mess it up. He said this, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. He saw David inside that big piece of marble, and he just kept chipping, chipping away, chipping away until David emerged. 
you are God's masterpiece. God sees the real you. And he's going to continue to just keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away at a lot of the lies that you have believed sometimes since you were a little child or that family members told you or that friends told you or that coworkers or the world or school. Wherever those lies came from, God will just keep chipping away, chipping away until you emerge. That's called renewing your mind. And renewing your mind brings radical and permanent transformation to your life. Last thing I want to get into here is just simply this, that, you know, God is an amazing God. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. The Bible says, the thoughts I think of you outnumber the grains of sand at the beach. That's a lot of thoughts. All the details of our life were planned out, written paragraph by paragraph in a book with our name on it. But can I ask you a question? What good does that knowledge do me as long as it's just in God's mind and as long as he's the only one that knows that and I don't know that how does that help me do you know what I mean you know what I found out if you want to find out what people think you have to develop a relationship with them I know what Bob Cather senior thinks like you know why because he's my dad and I've had thousands upon thousands of conversations with my dad and many times he's given me a piece of his mind and I deserved it many times He's even shared some of his physical attributes with me, mainly his fists. But anyways, I know how my dad thinks. Why? Because I've spent time listening to him. Do you want to know what God thinks about you? Well, it starts with the letters that he wrote to you in the Bible. And then it also helps to have him come alongside you and say, do you know what I meant by that? And open up your understanding. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside us as we read the Bible, as we listen, and he opens our eyes to understand what you can't understand by mere intellect. Your IQ has nothing to do with your ability to grasp spiritual truths. It has everything to do with the person of the Holy Spirit. So how do we get this information that is in the mind of the Father in heaven, how do we get that downloaded into our minds? How do we download that into our hearts? It's all through the person of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says this. The scripture asks, Has anyone ever known the thoughts of the Lord or given him advice? But we understand what Christ is thinking. Or we have the mind of Christ. I want to say this again. Just one thought from God can radically set you free in an area that you're struggling with can empower you in an area where you feel powerless. Yeah. One thought. And Amen. this is what he wants to do for all of us in this room. He wants us to know what we were created to be, who we were created to be, yes. and to live out this life full of purpose. Listen, God created you with tremendous purpose. That is not a fantasy. That's a reality. Every single one of us were created with a tremendous purpose. Every one of us in this room have the capacity for greatness as defined by Jesus. Amen. That's in us. But you can't be who you are if you don't know who you are. Amen. Let me show you three people in the Bible that had a false identity. This means they didn't know who they were. Moses. Number one is Moses. And Moses 
Here's this false identity. When God says, go set my people free, what did he say? I get tongue-tied. I can't speak very well. What's his true identity? You're a prophet, literally a mouthpiece for God, a spokesman for God. By the way, Moses, what you say and what you write will be quoted for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. That's your true identity. How about Gideon? False identity. I come from the poorest family in my county, the weakest family in my county. I'm the low man on the totem pole. I'll never amount to anything. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I'm a nothing. It's a false identity that he lived under for decades. And then God came along and said, but here's your true identity. You're a man of courage. You're a mighty warrior. You're going to deliver a whole nation. That's who you really are. How about Peter, our final one? It says that Peter, if you read the scriptures carefully, suffered from the same disease that I personally suffer from. It's called, according to my mother-in-law, foot and mouth disease. That's a disease I suffer from. Basically means he had no filter. He just, whatever he thought, he said it. He's the guy that got you and your friends into fights. Just thought it, said it. You know? And he's bold, and he stands on the night that Jesus is betrayed. He stands and he goes, hey, I heard what you just said, but let me just tell you you're wrong, Jesus. I will die by your side. They'll have to kill me before I would ever deny you. What happens? He denies him three times. And the last time he sees Jesus and locks eyes with him is after that third denial when he hears the rooster crow. And he leaves devastated, much in the same way that Judas felt great sorrow for betraying Jesus. He felt a sorrow. I just denied my Lord. I can't believe I did that. And you know what? I'll never live that down for the rest of my life. I will be this man that is a failure. And every day that he woke up and he heard a rooster crow, it reinforced, you are a failure. You are a failure. You blew it. You're a nobody. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just tell those ladies, go tell my disciples. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because Jesus had already prayed for Peter. He knew he was going to make it. Do you know, I don't know if you know this, the Bible teaches this in the book of Romans 8, Hebrews 7. Jesus actually is praying for you this morning. That's how I know you're going to make it. doesn't matter what you're facing right now. I can tell you emphatically, you will make it because Jesus has your back. And you know what? That was his false identity. What's his true identity? Peter, you're an apostle. You're a pillar in the church. I'm going to use you to preach the first sermon of this brand new church. And that day, 3,000 men are going to hear your words, believe what you're saying, repent, which just means turn and go the other way. You're going one way. Repent means I turn now, and now I'm going another way. I'm going a new direction and be baptized. That's who you are, Peter. Can I ask you a question as we close it here this morning? I want to preface it by this statement. These men did not know who they were until God told them who they were. Here's a question I have for you. What lies have you believed about yourself? Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. Our own self-talk is more negative than anybody else. What are you saying to yourself? 
Do those thoughts match God's thoughts? If not, can I encourage you this morning to ask God to show you his thoughts so you can take off your old way of thinking and put on this brand new way of thinking? Because if you do that, it will radically transform your life forever, forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the people that are here this morning. You, you love each person here with an incredible love. In fact, you've said that every hair on our head is actually cataloged. It's numbered. You said you know our thoughts while we're thinking them. You know what we're going to ask you for in prayer before we even get it out of our mouths, that you're extremely acquainted with our situation in our life. And Father, you know what's going on here. You know the people who are maybe having issues financially this morning. Maybe they're having issues with their relatives. Maybe there's issues on their job or with coworkers. Maybe they're struggling to, to figure out how to raise that, that kid that just seems to, to be beyond them, beyond their understanding to cope with or whatever. Maybe they've gone through a divorce. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Maybe, you know, they're just in a tough place emotionally. I don't know exactly what's represented in this room, but Lord, you certainly do. And what I'm asking you to do today, Father, is simply this. Would you open their eyes? Would you open their hearts? And Father, most of all, would you show them first and most for, foremost how much you love them? Would you show them that? So it's not just words, but it actually means something. And secondly, Father, I pray if they are just a thought away from moving from a place of defeat, feeling like a loser into a place of being a champion and a victor. I'm asking you this morning, would you release that thought into their mind, into their hearts? Let it be planted firmly so that this will be a watershed moment in their life where they can look back and say, on that day, something happened and God changed my life. That's what I ask for. Father, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I want to just do one more thing here today. I want to talk to you for a moment. Finding your true purpose in life truly begins with knowing the one who created us. That's Jesus Christ, and true life really begins when you get to know him. I love the way one translation says that Jesus said, I am the way, the reality, and the life. Sometimes we just want reality, but he is reality. And true life begins when we give him the reins to our heart. We give him the steering wheel to our life. And we say, you know what? I think your way's better. I'm willing now to give up the steering wheel and say, why don't you lead me? Why don't you guide me? Because, you know, obviously I've done my best and my best isn't going that well. You may have never been in church before today or you may be like me where you were in church three times a week from the time you were a little infant. But regardless of where you fall, it all comes down to knowing him. And the way you start that journey is by calling out on his name. The Bible gives us a promise that whoever calls on the name of Jesus, if you call out that name today, right here in this sanctuary, Jesus will hear it and he will respond. And the Bible says that he will give you eternal life. You may feel something, you may not feel something just like me. That doesn't matter. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't a feeling. But today I want to pray with you. And if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer before, I want you to pray with me. 
And church, would you help us as we pray today? Can you just say this with me? Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. I make a decision to follow your leadership in my life. I give you my guilt and shame. I accept you as my Savior. I call you my Lord. Please come into my life now and help me to live the rest of my life with you and for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.